Good evening and welcome to another episode of That Which Does Not Kill Us. I'm your host, Sarah Arnold, and I am going to go back and reference this book one more time before I put it away and pick up some new reading material. Um, So obviously I found a lot of fodder for conversation and thought-provoking stuff in here. Uh, Once again, that's In Sickness and in Health by David Hawkins, PhD. Um, So... This part that spoke to me, um, it's uh, about relationship glue. And so I'm going to read and then, you know, pretty much the same as last time. I'm going to read snippets and then get into story time based on, you know, whatever thought-provoking things come up as I'm doing the reading. Okay. So what it says is what creates the glue to hold two people together and what dissolves that glue? Five critical ingredients, certainly not meant to be the final word on the topic, are absolutely necessary to hold any partnership together. And any means any. It doesn't just have to be romantic people. So just keep that in mind, okay? Communication. Communication is key to any relationship, not just any kind of communication, but deep honest and transparent sharing the glue that holds relationships together is kind compassionate and collaborative sharing we realize and hold in our minds that this relationship is important and fragile it cannot withstand abusive or harsh language or language intended to harm it cannot withstand flippant gestures even if there is no intent to harm now I'm going to touch on this again from my experiences and because obviously this is a book about, you know, physical health based on um, some of the detrimental aspects of long-term relationships. Um, Most specifically, this one's looking in um, marriages. So yeah, like it's a given. 99% of the stuff that is going to be most thought-provoking contained within this are going to be experiences from my marriage. Um, So to that effect, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I agree. Um, Interestingly enough, for a really long time, um, my ex and I had a dichotomy of both very healthy and very unhealthy communication. Um, If I were... Well, being transparent, um, one of the things that I feel like kept me there for as long as I stayed is um, when it came to communication on, like, serious, like, important topics. Like, not like the day-to-day bullshit, but um, when it came to serious life events and occurrences, that was something that actually came relatively easy. Um our communication in that um, facet of life was not really strained because, I don't know, like, we didn't experience that many difficulties that I felt couldn't be overcome in that kind of a way. Um, Like some examples, I know there early on he was fired from his job. And so, you know, we talked about it and determined, okay, obviously you need to get another job. But in the meantime, what we can do to mitigate this is tighten the purse strings. Like, how do we save money? 
you know, and that was the primary focus. And like I said, that was really early on. Um, and that theme actually came up, like job changes came up multiple times um, for my ex while we were together. Um, so it wasn't an, like, it wasn't really an abnormal circumstance. Like, fuck, the nightclub that he was working at closed down like after we've been dating for like three months so you know what I mean like he had to get another job then uh, had a difficult time but managed to find something and you know we went from there basically um so yeah like I don't think at any point during those times either one of us was really unsupportive of the other it was really a lot more in the day-to-day -day interactions and you know, the messages that those sent. Um, I don't know at what point um, my ex felt as though they had to hide from me, so to speak, but, you know, there were things that I found out after the fact that were being hidden, like, you know, sending, uh, basically sexting with somebody, you know, and sending questionable messages that could be considered inappropriate to my mother. Um, yeah, that was fucking weird to find out. And, you know, after I'm fucking divorced, yeah, I really still don't know what to make of that after the fact. But, um, yeah. I don't know. So, the next one reads, Respect. Any relationship moving beyond the initiating stage must be marked by respect. Respect is the idea that someone holds you in high regard and you know it. Because they hold you in high regard, the language they use with you and about you will be positive. Even when times are challenging and you have reasons for concern, those feelings will be shared in a respectful way. You remain secure about the other's view of you. Now, if I were being completely transparent, um, I would say, like... There are aspects of this that I have challenges with, and by that what I mean, like, the last little bit about, um, you remain secure about the other's view of you. Um, yeah, like, that is definitely an area where I can work to improve. Um, but I think part of that obviously stems from, you know what I mean, my history. But at the same time, um, I think the biggest challenge that I face when it comes to this aspect is not feeling as though whomever it is that I am engaging with has an ulterior motive. Um, because if, you know, I mean, going back to the honesty bit, um, like, I think the last guy that I dated in South Carolina, well, he's the guy I dated in South Carolina, whatever. Anyhow, um, like, I think that more than anything else, I don't think he was really interested in me as, you know what I mean, as a person. The impression that I got is that he liked the way that I made him feel. And those, like, you... You can love how a person makes you feel without actually loving the person. Um, I don't think it's that uncommon of a thing. And if I were being 
um, if I took the time to do a deep dive on it, I'm sure that there are multiple circumstances under which that I have felt that same way towards another human being. And if I were being completely transparent and, you know, I guess if, if I were taking full accountability for my actions, I think that maybe that is a topic that I should probably explore further, um, you know, for the benefit of self-growth because, you know, like maybe it's important to take a step back and ask why, you know, you know, like ask the hard questions, ask why, um, why am I invested in this person? You know, what, like, think about it. Like, what do I like about them? Like, what do I know about them? Um, you know, what do I want to know about them? Like, again, it goes back to the why, you know, um, and I think taking the time to ask ourselves these things might really help us get into, you know, the deeper parts of our own interactions with others and determine, you know, whether this is or isn't a good fit, whatever the, this might be, be it relationships with family, friends, or, you know, romantic partners. Like, it doesn't fucking matter, you know, either way, what kind, like, but just food for thought. Um, so, and the next one is admiration. Closely related to the concept of respect is the idea of admiration. We all want to be with people we know have some level of admiration for us. I'm not talking about the you can do no wrong or you walk on water kind of admiration. Rather, it's a sense that you are admired for your positive traits. People who admire and respect one another are likely to be friends at the least and maybe much more. And this is another one I don't necessarily disagree with, but um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say one of the challenges that I face pretty frequently actually is looking at things um, through a black or white kind of perception. And I'm not really sure how to get out of that um, and it's not so much circumstances, but more specifically, like, my relationships with people um, and or their motives. I have a tendency to look at, you know, like, I can see completely opposing sides, you know, but, like, I don't see a lot of gray area in that. And so, typically, my feelings towards another person can range from either being very, very, you know, very, very positive, And like, I'm looking at them through rose colored glasses or very, very negative, which is, you know, obviously looking at them through some type of a shattered lens. And while I'm aware of this, the thing that I haven't completely figured out is how do I move past that? And how do I move beyond it? You know, um, Going back to the guy that I was seeing in Charleston, um, I can say, like, I feel like he wanted a partner. Um, and so long as that partner made him feel a certain way, then he would accept said partnership, you know, regardless of who it was with. And um, I don't think I'm as open to 
people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I were being, yeah, like I don't think I'm as open to people like at all. Um, I mean, yeah, two of the people that I've been more emotionally invested in um, than any of the others that um, I have been romantically tied to since I got out of my marriage are people that I've known over 20 years. So just kind of to put things into perspective a little bit, like for me, um, the time frame that it takes to develop and establish that level of trust for somebody is uh, pretty fucking insane. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if you want to put it like into perspective it's it's kind of extreme um the the level of time it takes for me to feel you know what i mean like fully emotionally invested in a person it's a long time unfortunately and so like but i think it kind of goes back to one of the things that came up the other day in the conversation that i had with a friend of mine and that's that the pain of loneliness is not as extreme as the pain of detaching. And that's so fucking true. Like, that's so fucking true. Because, like, I mean, like, I had to do that with one of those people. And, like, actually, technically, I've had to do it with both in different circumstances. And, like, that is fucking heart-wrenching, you know? Um, I don't know how to describe it any differently. It is such a traumatizing experience. And I think, ironically, when I had to detach from one of them, like, that experience, and then him passing away, you know, and leaving this earth, has altered the way I am dealing with the other because I don't have the opportunity to make different decisions. You know, um, not having the opportunity to make different choices really is changing my behavior, hopefully more positively, like I'm in terms of like how I communicate and um yeah it's definitely changing how I am engaging um because with the way things were going I had to detach like and I'm typically my MO for detaching is like a complete shutdown and it's not a pretty process, but sometimes it's necessary, you know, and like at the time to me, it felt necessary. And now, you know, I'm taking a step back, obviously, like I've had to take a step back from it and kind of look at my own behavior in a different perspective. On one hand, yes, I did do what I needed to do to protect my mental health. But the flip side of that coin that I ask myself in retrospect is, was there a middle ground to be had that I could not see in the moment? 
and so yeah like that's again that's what I'm processing right now actually and so the next part is it says caring not only must caring be part of the package of healthy connection but so must feeling cared about as well caring and feeling cared for must both be present if the relationship is too advanced we have a sense that this other person has our back they can be relied upon to care for us should the needs arise and it will and i agree with that wholeheartedly um to be fair like in both of the in two of the more serious um, romantic involvements that I've experienced post-divorce, the ones where I, well, let me rephrase that, the ones where I've been most emotionally invested, um, there did seem to be a certain level of reciprocity in that kind of a way, you know, um, and it's just the way that the behavior was engaged upon in both of those circumstances was different. Um, one of them was with consistency and, you know, frequently touching base, consistent communication. Um, and, um, with the other one, it was more into like the depth and breadth of the conversation that we were experiencing because it seemed like there was a lot of back and forth in terms of, well, life experiences, mental health, and things of that nature. And so there's something to be said for me, at least, about connecting with somebody in that way where you really feel like this person is seeing you. And by that, I mean, like, it's almost like there's a different level of connection when somebody has lived through similar experiences and really understands you. Um, what's funny is I received a message today that said, I almost see you as a turtle. Um, you want to come out of your shell, but you're scared, too scared. Um, it's almost like you have to test it to see if the world is safe. And, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think that's probably the most validating um, communication I have received in a very long time. In a very, very long time. And my response to that was to express like, wow, I feel really seen right now. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, it, it hits different when it's coming from somebody that's lived through similar circumstances to you. And so, um, it, it also, I don't know, like, it kind of took me aback because, um, of the level of involvement that um, this person has had in my life and it's not some like it's somebody that I consider a friend but it's not somebody that I would consider to be a like a close close friend um, 
so yeah it's it, like i said it just it really kind of caught it caught me off guard like really caught me off guard it almost brought me to tears but um yeah i don't know it's fucking weird so the next one is boundaries finally any partnership is built upon clear and agreed upon expectations Sometimes these are spelled out letter by letter, and other times parts of the agreement are simply understood. Most relationships are based upon trust, and that trust comes from knowing the other will keep you safe and protect you from harm. You often set boundaries about faithfulness, ways you both will be treated, and how the relationship will advance. Healthy boundaries create healthy relationships. So this is a fucking hot button issue for me. And the reason why is because um, there were no boundaries in my marriage. Like, obviously, that was a fucking failure. So, you know, and when I say that, I mean that very literally. Like, there were no boundaries in my marriage. Um, me and my ex were so enmeshed that, like, I, you know, I had to, um, I guess, figure out how the fuck to come back into myself and learn who am I? You know what I mean? Out, who am I outside of this relationship? Because, you know, it, I don't know how to describe it any differently. It's just, we were really fucking enmeshed, you know? Um, and obviously setting boundaries probably would have been a good thing, but what happens when you get together with somebody when you're young and you don't even know what fucking boundaries are is, uh, that doesn't happen, you know? And, that goes into the unwritten portion of it or the unspoken or whatever. I can't remember the vernacular used, but at the same time, um, like I feel as though in, in retrospect, that would have been a great, uh, thing to have had. And at the end of the day, I think one of the biggest reasons, well, outside of a bunch of other, like one of the reasons that I stepped out of, you know, the romantic thing I had with a dude in South Carolina is that I, I did verbalize not many boundaries, but a few and, um, they weren't respected. Um, one of them was pertaining to the topic of marriage, ironically enough, um, because it wasn't something I really felt comfortable with. Um, and turns out he had a wife fetish weird um and so this might be tmi sorry folks but um he liked me to refer to myself as his wife or refer to him as my husband you know during intimate moments and obviously i didn't want to be a killjoy <laughs> so like I went through with it like reluctantly and it as it became like a normal thing um I just felt much more hesitant to continue you know um I don't know like it just gave me the willies just a little bit you know coupled with a bunch of other different things that piled up slowly during that time frame but um no boundaries is important and um I think at the same time, though, boundaries kind of plays into respect because um, even if you're tempted to overstep your own boundary, 
if you're engaging with somebody that really respects you, they will help you with that, you know, and that's something that I firmly believe, like people that really care about you want you to be your best, um, in all facets of life, whatever the fuck that means is entirely at your discretion and theirs if it's, you know, in an involved relationship. And so that's something that I reflect on as well. Um, when it comes to, I guess, the mental health of others is their ability to respect boundaries. And unfortunately for me, one of the things that comes along with some of my previous experiences is not knowing how to feel comfortable expressing that I feel like my boundaries have been violated in any kind of way um, without going into like, you know, a five alarm panic. Like, so yeah, I don't know. That's something I can definitely work on. But that's pretty much all I have from this book. Um, I'm probably going to pick out another one to read and then also continue this format. I kind of like this idea of, you know, story time based on what I'm reading and then the fun little cliff notes that might be important for the listeners to take in and hopefully help them. So thanks everybody for tuning in and as always, be well.